Hello, this is Molly Rowan Leach of Molly Rowan Presents. I'm your host for this ongoing dialogue series in restorative justice and social healing in the United States and beyond. And this archive features from December 8, 2011. This features Belvie Rooks and D. Don Gills of Growing a Global Heart. They are quite unique um, in the work that they do in the world as they blend the environmental with the many layers of social healing. I was thrilled to dialogue with them and with the circle gathered and am pleased to present this archive to you from again December 8th 2011 with Bellevue Rooks and Didon Gills of Growing a Global Heart. More about them at growingaglobalheart.com and archives of all of this dialogue series can be found at mollyrowanpresents.com. Thank you and enjoy. Good evening, everyone, and such a warm welcome to you all. This is Molly Rowan Leach, and I am your host for this ongoing restorative justice and social healing in the United States and beyond series. We gather, as you know, every Thursday, accepting holidays at 5 p.m. Pacific. And this platform that we hold together is for education, inspiration, connectivity, and insight in these very particular realms that are so pertinent to our times. As many of you know, you can find the archives of all of our very special guests at www.mollyrowanpresents.com. I usually get those turned around fairly expediently. So there's already quite a robust archive, including uh, the likes of Robin Kassardian of the Lionheart Foundation, Jay Kim Wright of Lawyers as Peacemakers, uh, and last week's call, of course, with Azim Kamisa, and very many more. So I just welcome you all tonight, and thank you for, for joining us. I have a very special call tonight with two people that are very dear to my heart. And so I'll just go into um, uh, just a brief introduction of each of them, but a very heartfelt one nonetheless. Um, prefacing that by just saying, um, with, with Bellevue Rooks and Deedon Gills, um, in, in my case, I, I spent um, a couple years at the Institute of Noetic Sciences in, uh, two, in the middle 2000s, in 2004 to 2006. And that was the first time that I had the extraordinary opportunity to connect with the amazing Bellevue Rooks. And so from there, um, we've shared a very similar passion and journey around social healing and human rights issues. And it's really a deep honor for me to know both Didon and Belvi and to appreciate tonight the, the deep journey that we're going to take together. Um, they'll be sharing their story, um, especially around the West African slave dungeon journey that they took. And what primarily does it take for our wounds to be dissolved, for consciousness to shift, and to share the transformation insights that they've gained over their many years of service in this world? Um, now, many of you may know.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, there was a brief technical issue there on our line in the middle of my introduction of Delvi and Didon. So just to keep it seamless, uh, continue with my introduction of um, Delvi Rooks. She, as you know, are, um, she and Didon Gills are the co-founders of Growing a Global Heart. Um, now, Delvi, as I said, was um, she was very involved in the Urban Habitat Program and the Positive Futures Network, Yes Magazine, and she's also currently chair of the board of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights in Oakland and a board member of my former work, um, the Institute for Noetic Sciences. She's also a board member on the Jesse Smith Noise Foundation. She has published many works, and those works have appeared in a number of books, publications, and anthologies, including Sacred Poems and Prayers in Praise of Life, The Same River Twice, Honoring the Difficult, which was by Alice Walker, and many other profound works. You can, of course, check out more about Bellevue at growingaglobalheart.com. And so I'll just move seamlessly into uh, some words uh, honoring Didon. And Didon is, of course, co-founder of Growing a Global Heart. And he has pioneered this very special and unique idea that Growing a Global Heart offers, which is the idea of green recovery, which is a concept that combines stewardship and restoration of blighted urban areas with an engaged dialogic process designed to restore the integrity of souls wounded by the crush of modern urban reality. Very powerful stuff. And his work incorporates the principles of sustainability, permaculture design, environmental awareness, and the greening of the inner spirit as critical aspects of the recovery and healing process. He is a writer, he's a poet, and he's an associate producer of What's Up, which is a documentary film in progress about a young man's transformative journey. He, he studied in many forms and has been trained in many forms. He's very eloquent and just a beloved soul. Very accomplished, both Bellevue and Deedon are in, in the world as well as, as in their hearts. And I'm just so honored to welcome you both tonight. And I'd like to start out tonight um, tonight's conversation by asking if both Didon and Belvi, first Didon, might share a bit about their own personal journey that brought you know brought you both to where you are now as individuals. So, without further ado, welcome Didon. Hello, uh, Molly. Thank you so much for inviting the two of us on your program. We're really excited to be here. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I guess. Um, let me try to be as brief as possible. Um, I guess I probably became uh, an activist in the 60s when I was a college student. I got involved in the anti-war movement. I've been involved with the Black Panther Party movement and the Black Student Union movement uh, throughout my young life. Um, I Later I opened, uh, um, I had a school called the W.E.B. Du Bois Academic Institute that uh, educated young inner-city African-American kids. Um, I've been involved in the social justice uh, uh, struggle for, the, for, for most of my life. Um, uh, the last 
10 years I, um, um, I've spent uh, primarily involved in the environmentalist movement. I spent um, maybe five, six years living in a community called L.A. Eco Village uh, where I was involved deeply in permaculture and uh, environmental activism. Um, I just want to stress here that, you know, I've been involved in many, many activities and I've never abandoned any, any, um, any of my previous pursuits, but each stage of my life is just an expansion of those previous horizons. And so um, in my latest manifestation, I met Belby um, four years ago, and uh, we got married, and, uh, and, we, got, and we ended up uh, going to Africa, to, to Accra, and getting married in Ghana. And this kind of set the stage for my current journey uh, involved around growing a global heart and what our experiences were there in the slave dungeons when we when we visited them while we were shortly after our marriage. And so that's that's my story there in a nutshell. And Dedon, before we we um converse with Belvie about her her story, could mm-hmm. you just tell me in a nutshell, um, so to speak, what do you feel is the most um Deep offering from growing a global heart. What, what's the what's the essence and the core of growing a global heart as you as it as it means to you? Well, the essence of it is the fundamental question that that arose around this whole idea of growing a global heart was was when we look at the the thousands of years of brutality and violence that the human community has wreaked upon itself. Um, at the essence of growing a global heart is what our vision is and our dream is, particularly when I look into the innocent eyes of my, my grandchildren or any child for that matter, is, um, is, is, is how, what kind of world are we going to create for them? What, what, are, what, what will be our legacy? And, uh, and, and what does healing look like? The question is, is how are we to overcome uh, this, this, this gaping wound that's been left by the legacy of slavery and so many other forms of violence that we've um, wreaked upon one another. And, and, and one of the things that we feel like we, we must do is uh, come up with some sort of ceremonial approach to ending this, 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 this violence, this war that we've, we've had with ourselves. And, and growing a global heart is using trees, planting trees as a metaphor, uh, it's like a living memorial as we plant trees in memory of all those who, who were lost, and um, and this is this is what this is what this is what's at its core for me is to uh, is to ceremonial bring closure to to what we've done in the past and what we continue to do today. We 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 it's, it's time for us to grow up as a species and and set about living together in a way that honors the future for our children. Mm, that is so beautiful and, and to me um, so very unique. I, although I know uh, I have a somewhat limited view of all of the amazing work that's going on in the world, I do seem seem to feel um, just this real sense inside of myself of, of the uniqueness of the, the combining that growing a global heart does of the environmental and the um, you know the intergenerational, bringing back the indigenous ceremonies, and the healing practices that are grounded um, in one kind of bundle. 
which is very special to me, and I really honor that and what you do. And maybe we can go into that even uh, deeper as we progress in our conversation tonight. So thank you, sure. Bidon. And thank you. Um, just just like to invite Belvi onto the call again, dear. And please please go ahead and, and share with us oh, your story. You. Thank you. It's always so in- interesting and inspiring to listen to. Um, you know, Didan, both contextualize the journey that we're on and also just the journey that he's been on. Uh, um, I, um, you know, too, am a child of the civil rights movement in the sense that um, my early introduction, actually even before that, I guess, my early introduction in high school I actually um, was involved with and, and, and with the Quakers, with the American Friends Service Committee, which um, was an outgrowth of the Quakers and uh, kind of their social justice arm. And in that context, I, in, in, as a high school sophomore or freshman, I, I had a chance to meet Dr. King because they brought out amazing people and he was a young um, student then and, you know, certainly was not famous, but really was just beginning. The Montgomery bus boycott had not begun, but fortunately, you know, the Quakers were, had their, 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 their finger on the pulse. And so, you know, in high school, I had an opportunity to come, to go to a Silamar in um, Monterey, near Monterey and Dr. King and, um, Coretta King were our guests, and you know it was pretty exciting because you know I remember uh, taking the bus. It was the first time I'd ever really uh, gone away to something like that. It was 500 kids, young people from all over California, and you know we were just pretty excited to have been selected and to you know meet all of these new people. And I remember one of the high points of the trip down from San Francisco to Monterey was that Joan Baez was on the same um, bus that, that I was on because her m- mother actually worked for the American Friends Service Committee and, and the Quakers in San Francisco. And, and, and that gathering was really profound uh, for me uh, and, you know, opened a, a, a real, really provided a real opening because um, it was the first time, of, you know, and that that work with the Quakers coming out of that gathering meant that I felt like I found my tribe in high school. You know, I mean, here were young people, and here we were being guided by elders and holding questions like the the why of the whys of life. Why am I here? Why am I born? What is my purpose? And and you know, to be able to sit around a campfire under the stars in you know, the wilderness at night and have those discussions with other young people had a, had a very profound uh, impact on my consciousness. And, um, you know, I had grown up in the black church, which was really wonderful and Methodist until I was like 13 or 12. And, and then I, uh, and, and that was a wonderful experience in its own right in that um, the black church is the, probably, and I'm sure this is true of all spiritual communities, it was one of the most diverse communities that I've ever been a part of. There were rich people, well, you know, poor people, people on welfare, people 
uh, it was just a, a very complex, diverse community, and I had an opportunity at a young age to, you know, understand what respect meant and to be totally respectful of people uh, who you with, with whom you were in community. So that was a that was big. And then, you know, um, the civil rights movement, of course. And while I didn't go south and couldn't go south, um, you know, when that movement started, I certainly spent a lot of time in solidarity doing um, picketing of Woolworths, you know, in solidarity with the young people who were sitting in because they were, you know, they they mirrored. I could see myself. And so Dr. King, the civil rights movement, and and in terms of global um, kind of consciousness, um, much of my college years uh, I was very active in the anti-apartheid movement and the movement to... um, Free, um, southern, you know, the anti-colonial movement in Southern Africa, Mozambique, you know, apartheid, you know, in South Africa, Angola. So that was just defining for me in high school and working, I mean, in college and really working very hard to change U.S. policy relative to um, the white minority regime in South Africa. And, you know, being very committed to, uh, you know, um, freeing Nelson Mandela from prison, but really never believing, because by then it had been some 20-some-odd years, being committed but never quite believing that it could happen. But that, So in that context, I, you know, I had a chance to spend a lot of time in Africa. I, 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 like, you know, I was in Mozambique. I was in Zambia at the refugee camps. Uh, um, I was and in Tanzania, where many of the liberation movements were, and so I, I spent, you know, a, you know, a lot of time. Um, as I said, that was really defining, and then trying to come back here. So I spent time in refugee camps, and then coming back here and trying to help build a movement that would help end apartheid. And I must say that I was invited to be an election monitor in South Africa during the transition to majority rule, and you know, being able to be there and and see, you know, and see Nelson Mandela. Um, and so it said a lot about, you know, holding fast to a dream and having faith. Um, and, um, you know, I've, so that's, that's, that's a lot of the, you know, the framing. Um, the thing about the Quakers that I really loved and it's really influenced and impacted my life a lot was the intersection between social justice and um, spirituality you know, and consciousness. That was the first introduction for me, that conversation. But I must say that my grandmother, um, Carrie Caton, um, was just a real inspiration because I got to see from her whenever I would visit her in Texas what it meant to just be a person in service of the common good. You know, she would grow extra food so that people could come and get greens. And, you know, she was just, she modeled for me um, what it meant because she was a, you know, to be a real Christian was her. And for her, she always stressed that the way in which you could tell uh, anything about what people said would be how they treated the least of them. Um, and so I realized that, you know, just looking at how we as a culture, how we frame, you know, um, our consciousness around the least of them. And for her, that meant the voiceless and, you know, people who had no real voice. So, so those were some of the influences. 
I just, that principle is so powerful to me, what you've just named. And, um, and, and, and Belvi, I know I asked Didan the, the same question, and I'd love to hear just in a nutshell, in your own words, um, if you could distill down growing a global heart into just a few essential sentences or, or a phrase or two, what, what would you say that, that that would be? What, what is growing a global heart at its very core? Well, it's, at its core, um, for me, particularly given its origin, um, you know, in, 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 in West Africa, uh, in the slave dungeons, um, and trying to hold um, that space of, 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 of woundedness and the need for healing, and understanding that um, while the particularity of the suffering was rooted in those slave dungeons. Unders- but, and, and at the same time, trying to hold a space for using that suffering to heal a larger community. That, that while it, you know, the particularity was around slavery and you know, the transatlantic slave trade and the enslavement of Africans, of people of African descent, that was the wound. How do you transmute that wound into something that's healing? And the vision that emerged was, you know, certainly as Didan has addressed, what planting trees for people who were lost, erased, forgotten, not remembered, and that the very act of planting those trees, given that trees are the lungs of the earth and breathe for the whole, it would kind of take a particular kind of, you know, form of suffering and um, hold it in such a way that it provided um, and held up a mirror of possibility for healing the whole. Thank you for, for getting really granular in that way about the the true essence um, for me what what that that uh, reflects is um, and tell me if, if this is on um, track is that there is a, a collective wound whether or not the particulars are exactly the same right there is this collective wound that we share mm-hmm. and that we pass down if we don't know any better perhaps um, and so by planting these trees, by addressing the wound in multiple ways that you're doing, um, not only are we absolving, transmuting the particulars or, or aiming towards that with our very motions in, in these ceremonies, in these tree plantings, but also um, the inclusivity of the of the human predict the the human wound is, is that, that yes uh-huh. I think that's a that's a wonderful distillation and 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 just kind of quickly related to that you know as a nation we're right in the middle of commemorating the 150th anniversary of the Civil War which was certainly one of the most tragic events in the nation's history from 1861 to 1865 and one of the questions that we've been you know uh, holding 
is beyond the reenactment of, you know, various civil war battles, you know, what would healing look like for the nation, for future generations, for the environment? And, um, you know, what are those possibilities and what would that look like? And, you know, are we, how can we have a different conversation? And what can we do to ensure that 150 years from now our children will not be having the same conversation? So that is at the root of addressing the collective wound and the, you know, honoring the kind of possibilities within that. Interrelated to, to that, what that brings up for me is the, the power um, that we, we see, um, you know, the, just for the circle gathered tonight, um, Bellevue and, and Didon and I are all colleagues with James O.D. And I've witnessed actually um, James lead on uh, a constellation um, workshop. Well, it, it was actually a social healing workshop, but there was a segment where we lined up um, you know, different aspects of uh, the archetypes in, in the people that were gathered. And in the, in the framework of that, um, we're able to come to some unwinding and resolution um, for, for people unrelated to what we were doing in that room that day. There were phone calls that came unexpectedly, you know, silence is broken. Uh, we know that what we do on behalf of the particulars is like the, the butterfly effect, really, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> So um, yes. it, you know, I'd, I'd like to just take that cue and, and see where we might go then and with the idea too that for our circle tonight, please remember that you can press 1 on your keypad if you'd like to make a reflection or ask a question to either Didon or Bellevue or both of them. So um, if, you, if you have something that, that's, um, that arises during this conversation in the next 15 minutes, uh, in this next segment, please, by all means, press one, and I will make sure we get to you. Um, so let's let's take a moment then, um, and maybe Didon, you you might respond to this, or or Belvi, you know, obviously either one of you can dive into this this deeper question, and it surrounds, as you mentioned, your um, your journey to the West African slave dungeons. And um, I'd like to just ask you, what were some of the transformational insights that emerged for you during your journey to the West African slave dungeons? What are the insights? John, um, you want to take a? Sure, sure, I take it. Um, I think one of the things that really struck me profoundly was uh, when I realized that you know how this phenomena of, of, of uh, slavery looked. How the how the the people packed into the dungeons. You know, naked, body to body, stacked like sardines. Um, um, and then, you know, when I looked at that 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 visual, that imagery, it really reminded me of a lot of other things that I see in my life that I hadn't really connected. And uh, um, it's, it's it's the way that they they stack trees when they clear cut a forest, or, or the way they put a a hundred mile net out to catch 
to catch fish in the ocean. Um, it's, it's these patterns of consciousness that seem to repeat themselves over and over again that really struck me very deeply. I realized when when I when I worked in L.A. Um, with, at, at the homeless shelter for years, I, I, I know there was there was a time when occasionally someone would come in that wasn't really looking for shelter, but they were looking for victims. They was looking for um, for women to put on the street, or they was looking for people to sell drugs to. But it always always found it very interesting when one or more of these characters entered the program. They recognized each other immediately, and they would say things like you know, game, recognize game, and they would kind of hang out together and engage in their their underhanded uh, skullduggery. And I, I realized that when the when the Europeans came to Africa's shore, they, they also met people there that had the same consciousness that they had, and they collaborated. Uh, and that collaboration was really against the common folk uh, who ended up being chained and put into the bowels of those ships. And so... For me, it was just a, one of the things that really struck me di- deeply was realizing that 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 a certain form of consciousness is necessary for even this behavior to take place, and that and that consciousness is re- really racially transcendent. It, it, it's, it's it's the way that we think, or the way that we view the world, that really determines how we engage it, and um, and so it 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 it, it really was a profound awakening for me to realize that um that that this that this 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 global collaboration had taken place between people that 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 seen other human beings as 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 um as things as a way to to better their lives and a way to 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 increase their profits not as not as humans or living creatures that have compassion for and uh and empathy and sympathy and mercy on uh but just 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 to be used as things i realize that this this form of thinking is really very destructive globally and it's and it's everywhere and so that was one of my insights there on the coast of africa mm. 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 Well, one of my insights, you know, a profound insight for me because, you know, um, as I've shared in other conversations, I really suffered deeply uh, and coming out of the slave dungeons and, you know, really reliving and revisiting and just feeling, being um, taken over and and embodied by some of the suffering of the women uh, as I sat in the slave dungeon, of the women's dungeon. And so it was, you know, my you know was my heart breaking open and you know cry, you know just being crying for you know just not being able to you know just uh yes yeah, so 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 somehow in that space connecting deeply with wounded with the woundedness and the suffering that had occurred in that space that's almost um palpable and tangible and you're touching the walls and you're sitting on space where you know, people have, you know, millions, hundreds and thousands of people have passed through these very holy, sacred places that you're standing on. And one of the insights, um, I think for me, has to do with something, you know, that Jean Houston talks about is when she talks about the sacred wound. And I realize that in going so deeply in the days after 
a visit to the slave dungeon and to my own um, uh, pain and suffering and despair and embodying uh, and visualizing what this was like for women and, and, the, and the men who came through and the children and the grandmothers and the priests and the aunts and the uncles and the, you know, because we say slaves and that tends to often um, distance us from the fact that these were grandmothers and grandfathers and children. And so, so that woundedness and that pain and that suffering kind of, you know, kind of brought to mind later um, the, the, the whole question of the sacred wound. And, you know, when Jean Houston talks about it, it's, you know, this idea of going so deep into the core of one's own woundedness that, that you're actually, you, you're standing on the ground of woundedness and suffering for all beings. And that that's what, you know, eventually um, emerged, uh, at, you know, for me uh, as an insight in terms of the sacred wound. And, and, and Didon actually, it was interesting because I've talked about that and had that experience. And then, and Didon, you actually wrote something um, that was very similar. Um, and I didn't know whether you, you wanted to. Or, sure, uh, I'll, 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 I'll share that, sure. Okay. Um, I, I one of the things that I'm currently doing is I'm I'm writing um, my uh, my memoir about you know my my life's journey and um, and at the very beginning in the introduction um, I, I I had penned this and it was interesting when Bill shared it with me how um, how how the, how, the, how magical these times are how so many people arrive at the same places at the same time it seems. But anyway, what I had written is that the sacred wound is a wound so deep, so utterly piercing to the soul, that it opens up a pathway of compassion for all beings who suffer. One day I realized that the odd journey that I had been on had delivered me to a place of compassion that I could not explain. It seemed that when I would encounter someone suffering, I could actually feel it myself, and that and that I had this compulsion to reach out to them, to touch them, to soothe them, to weep with them. Something welled up within me that seemed to come from inside of them, but it was inside of me. We shared the beat of a common heart, it seemed. Somehow I knew that I could not heal unless the world healed. My pain had become inextricably bound with the pain of all those who had suffered by the unjust hand of another. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, I was just really struck by just the similarity of insight because, and, and that we hadn't really um, communicated. And, 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 and one other thing that I was really struck by, too, um, given just the despair that I was in coming out of that experience, uh, I was really looking at another excerpt of your journal reflection, um, which actually, I'll just um, contextualize it uh, by reading a little bit from uh, my journal, um, just two or three sentences that... um, you know, uh, as I that during the height of the slave trade, there were so many dead and dying bodies tossed into the sea at this particular spot 
the frenzied seeding opportunity resulted in a change in the shark migration pattern along this entire strip of coast. The numerous slave dungeons of the West African coast in places like Elmina and Cape Coast in Ghana and Gori Island in Senegal are living monuments to the stark and stark reminders of our inhumane lapses. And I was really struck by, um, you know, uh, one of your journal entries that you shared in which you said that part of what kept me centered throughout this beautiful, tumultuous, and sometimes painful journey was that we sometimes had to remind ourselves that our story did not begin in these horrid and musty dungeons, but that our journey started billions of years ago in the darkness of timeless space, and that like the particles of ancient stardust that pulsates through our bodies, we have paused for but a moment in slavery's past. And despite all odds, predictions, and expectations, we as descendants of the, middle, of the tribe of the Middle Passage, with all of its pain and suffering, continue to travel the sacred journey, dreaming of new possibilities and new ways of becoming together. I realized the suffering and the slave trade was only part of our story. One night, while looking up at the magnificent pitch-black equatorial African sky in which the stars seemed surprisingly close, their brightness invited me to remember the greater story of our common journey and our common ancestry. And I feel that one of our you know, one of the insights and collective insights when, when you when you you know reference in that those reflections that I've just shared, you know, our common journey and our common ancestry. And that we are all children of this vast universe and that we're all on this small, precious blue planet together and and that within that, you know, how do we take the historic suffering and woundedness, you know, and it has different forms and different particularities in different places and different, um, you know, geographies. But given the experience that we were dealing with in terms of, you know, slavery and the continuing effects of it, and how do we hold that in such a way? And I know we spent a lot of time talking about that. How do we hold this, that suffering and, and, and that consciousness of that reality and in such a way that it provides a mirror of the healing of the whole. So I think that's our challenge as a as a as a global community, as as individuals, as people of consciousness. You know, how do we, you know, deal with as Molly was saying earlier, the particularity, and then how do we hold it in a way that you know points in the direction of healing the whole. And that one of the insights was that that seemed to be one of our collective challenges at this time. And I also just to say, just in closing, was that, um, you know, that just, you know, the magic and the mystery of the journey, you know, and just being attuned to what's the images and the visions that are emerging. And you certainly know, Vidan, that, that the question and probably the most powerful, one of the most, I think it was the most powerful, certainly for me, given the state of despair and depression that I was in and, and just 
um, you know, immobilized by, you know, um, despair. But you're at that critical moment, you know, kind of acknowledging the suffering, but, but saying to me, asking me the, the question, you know, what would healing look like? Um, that was a profoundly shifting question, and I think it's a, a question that is at the core of the shift in consciousness that we are trying, you know, collectively um, to envision. Um, and often it's the questions that we hold. What would healing look like? And, um, and that then, you know, opened up a space where, you know, this amazing poem by Alice came that, you know, about trees. And, but I feel like the space was open for even understanding the poem at a deeper level by the question that you were holding of what would healing look like, you know. I would hate to add to that too. Little did I know at that time the enormity of that question. (laughs) I had no idea once I posed it and I started really looking more deeper into the question itself and looking at the the, the multiple, multiple and complex challenges that we have as a species in regards to the history of our of our egregious folly and in the question of what would healing look like when you look at fundamentalism, when you look at abuse to women, when you look at the environment, when you look at the child abuse and racism, and and I just could go on and on and on because all of these things are elements of a consciousness that gave rise to those slave dungeons there in Africa. And uh, and so this is a this 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 is really an enormous question, but but the but if we don't have a, if we don't have a dream that's big as the challenge, then we have no chance of solving it. Um, and so and so we have to we have to hold a, a large question. We have to have a an enormous dream. And 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 I and I just could envision billions of trees planted all around the earth for all the human beings that suffered in every imaginable way. And 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 and, and the, but there's just a special place in my heart too of 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 the of the of the of the African um, catastrophe, the catastrophe of Africa itself and its ongoing catastrophe. And um even today, as we speak, they're having um, a conference um, around climate change, and and it's very clear that what we do here in the West, uh, it's been stated by many of the people speaking at the conference, that um, what we do here in the West is profoundly impacting the the climate in Africa today, and so this this. This tragedy is ongoing. It's, it's, it's very, very current, and, and, and it saddens me in that sense. But it also excites me in the sense that that just holding the vision of a better world, of a world healing, of a world coming together, of a world transcending its past, it's um, it's just very exciting that that we even that we that we even having these conversations at this time in history. Mm-hmm. 
thank you, Molly, for creating that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing from your, your journal as well. That That is very, uh, that, that's so rich. Um, and for, you know, for, I, there's been some people that have joined us since we began this evening, and I just want to say that we're exploring uh, a very deep journey here with Bellevue Rooks and Dedon Gills of Growing a Global Heart. And you can go to their website at growingaglobalheart.com. Um, and I also just want to make mention too that I mean, it's so close to my heart what, what this organization represents as far as the many layers um, and the inclusion of the environmental aspect and the metaphor that was just spoken to of the trees breathing for us all um, in, in, this, in these ceremonies um, and healings that are happening, including one uh, in Selma, um, the, the tree plantings um, being for the particulars, but also for the whole. And so we've, we've been journeying in that realm. And um, I just, again, too want to remind people, if you have a comment, you'd like to open up into this conversation with us, please press 1 tonight and I'll get to you at, uh, at the right moment. Um, okay, I'll just go ahead and open up the line right now. Um, go ahead, Carol Ann. Um, can you hear me okay? I sure yes. can, yes. Carol Ann. Welcome. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Belvie and Devin, uh, for sharing your wonderful journeys. I, I, I have to go back to the trees for a minute because it struck me so deeply as you spoke of the trees. Um, hearing you speak to the metaphor of trees breathing for the whole, just as lungs breathe for the human body, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to, um, to just share with you how beautiful that is from a piece of information that I have that comes from the Taoist theory, which is like three to 5,000 years old, and that is that the lungs of the body carry the positive attribute of courage and high self-esteem, and it's also the place in the body where grief is held. So, so what came to me as you were speaking is that as you plant each of these trees for the healing process of the whole, you are also, you're also creating that courage and that high self-esteem. You're giving it a place to be and releasing the grief that's held in the body of the earth and in the human souls. So I just wanted to share that and tell you thank you so much for that. Intuitively, you connected into that. So thank mm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. That's profoundly. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like um, that, that this is even, at least let me just speak for myself. I don't even feel like this, this vision is even coming from me. I believe it's, it's coming through me. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know that, you know, I, I just know that 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 most of the old paradigm ways that we've tried to address 
our condition has failed because they've mostly been around war and conflict and competition and all those type of things. But what we need is, 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 is much deeper than any of that. Um, I'm sure all those things are a part of it, but what we need is, 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 is we really need to have a, a loving relationship with ourselves and, and, and the planet. And um, and someone has to have the courage to to uh, stand for that position. Mm. Mm. Belvi, did you have a reflection? Well, you know, I was yeah, I, I yeah, I was just actually thinking um, as I both listening to Didan and you know um, listening to the caller who just shared that profound piece of wisdom that that part of the journey is trying to, at this stage, post-slave dungeon stage, is trying to recapture and, and trying to capture and claim and expand the definition of we and what I mean when I say we, um, you know. And, you know, often it's been kind of these very narrowly defined, socially constructed boxes that, you know, we, people that look like me, they're the same color as I am, or people who are the same gender. And, and so, you know, I, you know, this idea of trees breathing for the whole and modeling, um, you know, and kind of embodying that as a metaphor, and, you know, thinking about home not as California or America even, but of that small blue planet floating peacefully out into, you know, in space, that that's the we, and 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 the fact that you know Edgar Mitchell and other astronauts have talked about how you know in the 70s is the pictures that you take now from outer space uh, they're they're more swatches of um, barren land that the shots from outer space really look very different because of the ravaging impact of clear-cutting and, you know, um, and, and, and so just honoring the kind of integrity and the interconnectedness and understanding that, you know, if we, in fact, uh, hold this vision as we look at the small blue planet and the universe of which it is a part and that we are all a part and the interconnectedness and the interdependence, then the question that we can hold are new questions is, you know, how clear-cutting in the Amazon contributes to asthma in the inner city if we are thinking about, you know, the lungs of the earth. So that was just kind of what came up for me. Mm. I'd like to go ahead and, and field one more question. Um, uh, go ahead. Let's see here. Go ahead, Deborah. Um, hello, everyone. I'm very um, honored to be in this circle with all of you tonight. And I was just really feeling into this. Um, here where I live in California is Chumash land. That's the ancestors who were here and when they greet they say we the people but it means the tree people the plant people 
the water spirits and the sky spirits, what it, all, everything's alive. And it's a relationship. And I've been walking that way for a while <clears throat> and learning and practicing and I'm really starting to be aware every moment as much as I can how alive everything is and how interconnected it is in its aliveness. And that when I'm, you know, putting a tobacco down and making a prayer, you know, cornmeal, whatever I'm putting down, praying to the water spirits of the ocean, that it's going out in the water. And I know we're talking about the trees, but, you know, the the green from those trees comes from that water. And that water really is inside our bodies, inside our Mother Earth, all around the Earth, and all around us. And so for me, one of the ways that I like to vision into the whole global and beyond is really feel the energies moving out through the waters, including knowing that when I'm being respectful and praying into the water that that water at some point is feeding those trees. Mm-hmm. It becomes the oxygen for those trees. And mm-hmm. it's also our tears. And so in a really simple way, I really feel that heartbeat of those natural elements and that the more that we are able to remember that that's part of who we are, and who we are together, it, it's a very beautiful way of recognizing each other and remembering each other as something that's so sacred and um, has such a beautiful presence that we want to take care of it and we want to share it. And we mm-hmm. want there to be uh, that equanimity, that equality. You know, we want everything to go in a really good balanced way so that it's here for the next generations. And mm-hmm. thank you for the work that I don't even think it's work so much as that the journey that you're doing and sharing with us. And I just have a prayer that the seeds from this circle really go out and make an abundant harvest, and those trees grow really tall, deep roots. Um, thank you. Thank you so 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 much. Um, what's, your, what's your name again? Deborah. Deborah. Yes. Thank you, Deborah. So um, things, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Deborah. That was that was very timely. And and I and I just wanted wanted to just briefly say uh, I, I know we only have a few minutes left, but I had a I had an opportunity um, a few years ago, uh, right before he passed away, to spend the night with. Grandpa Samu, the, the last living medicine man of the Chumash um, mm. um, Indians in um, near, up near Santa Barbara, and it was it was indeed a profound experience. He talked much about water during the night, so I just wanted to let you know you're right on point. Thank you, and that's where I live. I live right here in Santa Barbara. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, Oh, and you've talked very much about that experience, Dedan, as being a very profound connection that you had that, that with the elder. Right, right. So thank you for bringing the true mesh into this conversation because we, 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 we must not ever, ever forget um, 
the, the original inhabitants of this land that we're we're on. And the original teachings. Mm-hmm. Right, and the original teachings. It's, it's important to keep keep that as part of our conversation. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for bringing into it. And in in fact, it it seems to be one of the most elemental bombs of of our collective healing is to um, so recognize the gift of what has already come before, and so recognize the deep wisdoms that are are just irrevocably precious and um, that bring us out of our own little blinded. Uh, paradigm um, and I know that you know, we do have just a few minutes left but I'd just like to throw out there Didon and Belvi, do you have just a, maybe five minutes extra because we do have uh, um, yes. people wanting to reflect with us tonight so that would be wonderful and I know Didon had, if there's time some a closing kind of uh, reading um, but that might not be time but it would be we'll let's see. make time, let's, let's make some time for that then and Okay. On. Um, yeah, so and I, 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 I open it up. Yes, thank you. Uh, go ahead and open up the line to Catherine. Go ahead, Catherine. Oh, Welcome. Hi, hi, and thank you for inviting me into this beautiful circle. Wow, it's so powerful, Molly. Unbelievable. And what I was um, really thinking about after you asked the question, Vivi, what would a healing look like and what came to me which I love is that everyone has their special gifts and we're really hearing that what came to me is to be joy is to be excitement and to that's what I can do and it's like you know, going back to playing again like we were five years old. Yeah, it's a mess we're in, but guess what? We chose this, and we're supposed to be doing something about it. So, hell, we might as well figure out how to have a good time <laughs> because we forgot that somewhere along the line. We, th- we thought, oh, this is so heavy. But, you know, and every one of us I know probably, I'm almost sure of this, no despair, know what that's feel- felt like, No has come from that place within where you have been challenged. You know what? I'm looking around and <laughs> there's nobody here to save me. So guess what? I guess it's me. Mm. And what I have to figure out is and try to every day is like, the answers are within us. They're right there. And we had to be in that darkness to find that out. And that's the gift we have. So we have no problem listening or sharing to very dark places. We know it. And yet we are now moved beyond the having a dream. Like the dream would be that something wonderful would happen. Well, actually, I feel we're beyond the dream. We are the dream. We are it. So I want to start showing up in a way that I'm it, like I'm joy, I'm excitement. I can give that to you. And I just wanted to add that into this already full and beautiful circle. And thank you for allowing me to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, and and just a a quick reflection. What that brings for me is the capacity that you know um, has been mentioned this evening around what Jean Jean Houston 
called the, I believe it was the sacred wounds, Elvie, is that how she yeah. refers to it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our, our ability to be willing and courageous enough to feel the sacred wound to its full hilt also capacitates um, us to, to, to truly experience authentic joy. Um, at least that's, that's the sense that I can make of it is that, that in order to hold each other yeah, as we are, are striving to do here um, in such authenticity and setting a platform for safety and setting the platform that is mostly an unspoken uh, realm of, of communication that, that, that says to one another, I see you and I know what has come before and I am willing to cry the most deep and authentic tears not only on, on your behalf but on mine and, and on the collective whole's behalf. I am here. And, and in that field, um, there is naturally a place in that next wave um, of, of that joy, of that playfulness, of, of that, oh, we, we went through it. We, we have emerged from that, that darkness and that chasm, which we couldn't have not gone into it the way that it was asking us to. Um, if we would have only gone halfway, we wouldn't have emerged in order to laugh as heartily as we are now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I just really appreciate, you know, the 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 dance and and the um and the the uh importance of of being courageous and willing um to experience it all in order to really come back to essentially what is already you know, we already see joy in our children, like you're saying, to play like children and to, um, and to be just that full light that we are, that we came in um, as and that you know, we're all recovering in, in, or uncovering um, as we hold one another in this way. And I just feel that, that, that Bellevue and Didon and Growing the Global Heart are are addressing this on again. I, I just can't say it enough. Such a unique level of of combining the elements of social healing with also the environmental and metaphorical aspect of the tree planting. And um, I've gained a lot of deeper insight. Even even though I know Delby and Didon closely, I, I feel like this this evening we have have really opened up. Uh, for, at least for me, I know I have a deeper understanding of of what what growing a global heart really truly is um, is about on on the deepest level. And and I just I just would like to go back in um, in closing. I know that we're we are running um, past a bit here, but that's okay because I I really would like to hold space for Didon's reading. And for any closing comments um, from the both of you tonight around uh, the elements of of, the, of transformation, of, of the insights, of, of anything that comes to your heart that you would like to share with our circle and with all those who will ripple in 
from this audio archive, um, what what is elemental? What 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 would you like to share from your heart as we wrap up tonight? I think for me, um, you know, if you don't close, but I think for me, um, what I what comes to mind um, is something that I read and it, it, it just resonates in terms of the new story that's attempting to emerge of who we are and who we can be. And that is, you know, who can we become together? What are those, what's embedded in those possibilities? Who, who can we become together? Um, what would that look like? And what are the elements of that story and, and that new story? And, um, and so I'm just holding a space for what is trying to emerge that we may or may not be here, but that our, you know, but that the vision has been seeded and, uh, you know, it will be held by our children across these divides in embracing fully and joyfully who it is that we we are becoming and who we can become together. So that's what comes to me. And Vidan, I think you're reading. <clears throat> and your reflections on the planting of our first tree really kind of embodies that spirit for me. It's a way of closing. Okay, well, and, I, I, and I'll I just, just read that. And, and Molly, I'm sorry. Didan, I want, I want you to actually um, be the final voice um, before we say goodbye tonight. So I'd just like to request that um, um, that, that that you, um, you know, are are that space holder as we we move off the call. Once once your reading is finished, there will there won't be any further um, discussion or or anything. Just as a sacred way of closing tonight. So um, before you close, I'd like to just remind people. Um, I, I really feel a desire to share about this beautiful campaign that you're doing. Um, it's called the Thousand Bottles Campaign, and it, they are these beautiful um, water bottles that um, are the tin metal um, BPA-free type bottles, and they have the Growing a Global Heart logo on them. And if you purchase a bottle, those funds go towards the mission of Growing a Global Heart and helping to plant more trees. And I just so strongly and warmly encourage all of us to, to support Growing a Global Heart. Um, they make great Christmas gifts even and for such a beautiful cause. So you can go and, and, and buy a whole bunch of them for stocking stuffers at growingaglobalheart.com. And um, I also would just like to remind everyone that the archives of these calls are um, at mollyrowanpresents.com. And each of the calls um, has a separate date, and um, of course, you know they're weekly every Thursday. But each of the calls on on the website has its own page now, where you can go to listen to the archives. And next week, I will be hosting Belvi Didon and my special colleague um, James O'D, who is former Amnesty International director. 
He's um, a co-founder of the International Social Healing Project for which Delvi has been involved deeply. And he's um, currently in the process of finalizing his upcoming book, Cultivating Peace. And so he'll be my guest next Thursday, December 15th, same time, 5 p.m., same place. Um, you do need to go sign up for that separately. Um, but we'll look forward to, to hosting him uh, a week from today. So without further ado, given the depth of our dive together tonight with Belvi and, and Didon of Growing a Global Heart, I just would like to hear from you, Didon, in closing. And for everyone to go out and prosper and have a beautiful week in the meantime. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Didon? Okay, I'm just going to read um, from the closing words that, that I wrote around planting our first tree. Um, and and as you'll see, instilled in the writing is, is, is our, our whole vision of um, the mystery of the polyrhythmic nature of the universe and how all these different rhythms collaborate together to make it all happen. And, and the only thing that's not in alignment with that is, is human consciousness. And so... I'll share it. We all celebrated the firstborn child, Takuma Ture, and Pidian Umar Ba by planting an endangered tree of the southeastern United States, the Lonely Pine. We gave praise to his arrival by singing out his name. We also gave solemn thanks to the many ancestors that contributed their dreams, their lives, and their remains to the richness and joy of this momentous occasion. As African, African-American, and Euro-American, together, gently patted the last handfuls of dirt around the base of the long-leaf pine sapling. I knew that this soil would bring life-giving nutrients to this young tree. I also was keenly aware that this fertile soil was enriched with the blood, the bone, the sweat, and the tears of so many. The Choctaw, and the Cherokee were here. The remains of the enslaved and the enslavers were here. I also knew that this former Confederate outpost was drenched in the blood and tears of both Confederate and Union soldiers. The haters and the hated were all here, intermingled together in the fertile womb of this life-giving earth. All these lives in countless and unheralded ways had been sacrificed to the mystery of this rich, black, Tennessee soil. All those separated in life, they were now united, giving sustenance to our little tree. In the silence of our humble ceremony, we all somehow knew in our hearts that as our young tree spread its roots deep into the soil and stretched its branches towards the sky, it would breathe fresh air into our toxic atmosphere while sequestering the lethal carbon that robs the future of our grandchildren. We also knew, in its own small way, that it would help to heal the planet and the descendants of all our ancestors together as it spread its leaves into the hope of a sustainable and just future for the family of all the living. This little ceremony of celebrating the future and honoring the past while healing its wounds in the present was in microcosm the dream and vision of growing a global heart. Thank you. Thank you, Molly.
thank you from the bottom thank you from the bottom of my heart of my heart to you both be done and Delby and good night everyone see you next week You are currently the only person in this conference.